Happy New Year, baseball fans, and welcome to episode 43 of the Banished to the Pen podcast, a near-weekly audio adventure from the website Banished to the Pen, a group baseball blog produced by fans of the podcast Effectively Wild. I'm your host, Ryan Sullivan, at NatsGM.com on Twitter and the Baron of All Baseball Podcasts. This week, I am happy to welcome back uh, two former guests of the podcast, I believe, and uh, two regular contributors to the website Banished to the Pen. I've got Barry Gilpin and Darius Austin with me today. Uh, welcome back, guys. Thank you. Nice to be here. Welcome back, guys. I'm glad to have you guys. Uh, first show of the new year, so thank you for joining me, first and foremost. And uh, I'm really excited to get back in the saddle and talk some baseball today. So, um Without further ado, we start every week with introducing ourselves to the audience. I think I did my portion of it. So, uh, Barry, uh, how about we start with you? Uh, introduce yourself to the audience uh, for those that maybe missed your previous appearances, where they can find you on Twitter, who you're a fan of, um, day job if you want to share it, where you live, part of the country, all that good stuff. Well, let's see. Um, I'm Barry Duff, and you can find me on Twitter and at banishedtothepen.com occasionally when I have time. My Twitter is gilpdog, G-I-L-P-D-A-W-G. I don't do a lot of baseball stuff. I mostly just retweet stupid crap. Uh, <laughs> and um, that's pretty much about it. I live in extreme western Ohio. I'm a Reds fan, but I am I'm an Indiana boy at heart. Go IU and Hoosiers, that's right? It. Uh, Well, I'm glad to have you back, Barry. I'm uh, I'm excited to pick your brain a little bit about the Reds and kind of the state of their franchise. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Darius, uh, from the other side of the pond, so to speak. Uh, Darius, welcome back. Introduce yourself again to the audience. Hello. Yes, I'm I'm currently living in North Wales, actually. So just about the other side of the pond. I work at a university here, uh, and you can find me writing at Banish to the Pen and also over at uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits, where I, if in case you couldn't guess from the name, uh, write uh, about general fantasy topics, sort of strategy and a lot of uh, stats-based stuff to do with fantasy leagues. Very, very cool. Definitely uh, check out your work, and uh, Barry, check out uh, his work as well. Uh, first place I want to start, guys, this week is uh, Darius. I believe you did the kind of year-end banish to the pen effectively wild kind of awards or you ran a poll for the awards i want to uh kind of first and foremost just give you the platform and, and the place to start to just describe what you did and uh, you know your columns so to speak okay yeah this sort of started out of we were thinking maybe around the end of the season you know about doing the the mvp vote uh, and that kind of thing and that that did stall a little bit and it was kind of obvious anyway i think everybody would vote for for the the most part in in many of the awards um <laughs> and we sort of discussed it again uh me and mate ken maida mainly uh and we we thought maybe it would be more fun to do sort of a year-end thing uh, and also not just focus on uh mlb but also um, more group relevant topics so what we just ended up deciding to do was uh, have one for sort of the best uh, mlb moment or storyline of the year and then a second one for uh, the sort of favorite uh, Effectively Wild podcast moment or, or theme. So we, we came up with uh, 15 options for each. We asked uh, other Banish of the Pen writers to sort of make suggestions. And we, we ran through the group as well to sort of see what were the most commonly talked about and uh, 
like topics in there uh, and uh, then we just put together a couple of polls asked everybody to pick their top five uh, and they just closed just over an hour ago now so i've got the final results here before, before and, uh, we get into the results i, I don't want to yeah. stop you there but uh give us just a few of the first let's start with the mob moments what, what are a few of the moments that were on the you know on the poll or what were a few of the options uh, so we went, there were some sort of player specific things. So we had like um, Kevin Kiermaier was probably the standout defensive player on the of the year. So I put him in there. Uh, we had a few more uh, effectively wild focused things uh, like Pat Van Diet uh, making his big league debut. <laughs> um, and then there were sort of uh, some of the more, you know, memorable moments of the year as well. So uh, the, the empty stadium game in Baltimore was on there and uh, Wilma Flores crying when he thought he'd been traded to Milwaukee. Uh, Sean Rodriguez uh, going crazy and attacking the water cooler in the wildcard game <laughs> uh, and of course um, we just had the including the the greatest bat flip of the year obviously but the the whole seventh inning in Toronto as well was was on the list so that's just a, a few of the selections uh, and then on the effectively wild side uh, obviously the the choices were endless but um, we had things like uh, Sam's dark analogy uh, <laughs> ben interviewing Ryan Webb and Matt Albers, which obviously appealed particularly to me um, with my uh, games finished without a save league. Ben actually asked them about that on the podcast, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and then, you know, sort of email questions, uh, the tree in the infield uh, was was on there. Um, the uh, we, the future episode made it in from there when uh, BP did the, uh, you know, 2017 uh, turn the clock forward day. Um, and then we had a couple of, you know, uh, classics that I think uh, we thought were, would probably do pretty well, um, like the Barry Bonds episode, uh, Gonny Jones uh, calling Ned Barber. So quite quite a range of stuff. Uh, obviously, with the, the daily podcast, you get pretty good range of material and the group help a lot as well with uh, some of the things they come up with. Did, uh, Barry, did you vote in this? Because uh, before we give the official results, I'm kind of curious if you voted and, and who each of us kind of some of our top picks. I did, and I can't remember exactly what I voted for. Um, <laughs> I know on the effectively wild side, I voted for um, Billy Bean fan fiction because I almost had to pull my car off the road when I heard that. Um, and I think Ned Garver and in the infield was one um and on the nlb side i'm i know i'm pretty sure i voted for the bat flip and sean rodriguez and i can't remember what else those are my standouts so yeah definitely for me the effectively wild uh for sure was calling uh ned garver that that to me was just and it felt so organic and natural too it wasn't like they set it up and that was what made it great and the guy actually answered which is phenomenal uh i think that was my favorite moment of the year although the uh the tree in the infield for whatever reason really got me laughing that was a good one uh the mlb side i definitely uh joey bats bat flip that whole ending was was definitely up there and uh i actually voted the empty uh, stadium game very high as well it may have even been my top pick is I think that's one of those things we're going to be talking about in 25 years and we're going to be reminiscing about do you remember when that happened so I, I think maybe we don't get enough perspective on how important that was today whereas maybe in the future we will so uh a- anywho uh Darius before you give the results who'd you vote for uh I mean I had some some similar ones I certainly voted for the the stadium and uh Bautista, you know, the whole Toronto inning. Um, I also had 
I think um, Bartolo Colon was in there. We had, I actually couldn't, I put together a post with some videos and I couldn't pick just one for Bartolo. I had to put a few in there. That is behind the back flip to first base and the uh, rundown. I think it was uh, AJ Pizinski maybe that he caught uh, <laughs> leading off first base in a rundown and there was a double in there as well. Um, so yeah, there were just some tremendous Bartolo mo- moments this year. Just him uh, <laughs> batting would be a moment. I mean, every time he bats, is worth the price of admission. Yeah, and he and he got eight hits this year as well. Like I think all of the Mets pitchers hit fairly well for pitchers this year. Uh, but yeah, even uh, Bartolo got eight hits, so that was uh, quite surprising in itself. Uh, I think uh, I had Max Scherzer in there as well because I uh, did too. Sure, yeah, yeah. We had his his three almost perfect games as one of the options. So that was. Uh, one of my sort of um you know three three of the the moments of the year that i remember you know just incredible and uh one of them i believe i think he got the the second highest game score of all time the the second no hitter with 17 strikeouts was uh was the second best game of all time by game score so that was pretty incredible to to watch so yeah it's a shame the nationals had such a poor season because people forget how amazing scherzer was for much of the season so yeah well i was thinking about this when i wrote up the post and uh, i was sort of you know i was talking about we had harper turning the corner in there and then we had Scherzer's uh near perfect games and then i sort of uh got to uh the third nationals base thing we had on there which was uh papelbon uh freaking out and uh choking bryce harper in the dugout yeah thanks for reminding me of that <laughs> yes sorry about that but then I kind of, it wasn't when I got to that and I thought, oh, I've just written two really positive things about the Nationals and somehow the season still went terribly. Uh, just seemed bizarre uh, that they could have a, you know, two players with such a good performance and, and yet uh, it all went wrong. But uh, I guess you probably don't want to talk about that too much anymore just, anyway. Just shows you got to have a 25-man <laughs> team, not a two-man team, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that if you want any... Uh, there's no better illustration of it than that. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, Darius, without... Uh, any further ado i guess uh drum roll please i'll give you a tired one myself <laughs> oh that was much better barry that was actually really good <laughs> let's start with the mob moments of the year let's let's start with you know baseball i guess okay so i'll, I'll count backwards i'll just do the top five so i don't Perfect. run through all 15 okay uh, at so number five. um sadly sadly Barcelona just missed out at six. Oh, uh, but at five we've got uh the, the wilma flores crying moment uh, yeah which was i think you know one of the more unique moments of the year and perhaps you know that i've ever seen you know you don't see people cry I mean, on a baseball field and it was quite you know i guess it made us think about a lot of things that we don't normally think about you know he's I, basically I had been my inner jimmy team dugan just, came to america so my inner no crying jimmy, in baseball yeah exactly my inner jimmy <laughs> dugan was just screaming there's no crying in baseball <laughs> yeah so i think you know that's quite a, a good one to to make it in there and obviously made an impression on quite a few people and it may have spurred them on to the playoffs in the world series if you think about it in some ways yeah well it was because it was kind of a bad time for them really wasn't it It was sort of looking a bit like another disaster collapse for the mets wasn't it and and, and things nationals seemed to be going were, wrong that week yeah the nationals were starting to play better baseball and then all of a sudden that incident happened and it seemed like it turned the Mets season around so that that's a great one at number five yeah uh number four is uh, max scherzer uh, making it in there i think uh, a lot of people uh more than half had him in their their top five so that that's impressive because uh, i just speaking as a nats fan i think that you some of it you had to watch up close to see how good he really was last year because the team was so bad so i'm i'm impressed by the readership and uh the voters good job guys 
Yeah, and also I think, uh, was he fifth in Cy Young voting as well? I mean, there was so much talk about the NL Cy Young with Arietta. He was either Kirk fourth or fifth behind Granky, Kershaw, Arietta, and... Um, but there were so many good names this year in the National League. I mean, it yeah. was almost... And so I felt like maybe... I wondered if he would get the recognition for it because there were those those three guys and it sort of felt like maybe people might have missed how good he was because of the, the three-way battle that, the you know, was kind of uh, set up between those other guys. So it was nice to see him get in there. No. Uh, and we've got a huge gap to number three. Number uh, three. It's very close between uh, three and two. Uh, and uh, another one uh, relevant to you, Ryan. Uh, Bryce Harper turning the corner was actually in third place. Wow, interesting. So, yeah, I was I was surprised, especially early on. It was uh, actually challenging for first as well. So there seems to be a lot of Bryce support. That's very amazing. Because yeah. I thought he was not very popular outside of DC. That's interesting, Barry. What do you think? Third place for Bryce? I I think I might have put that in there. I, I was pretty happy because I had him on a fantasy team. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I should have put, added that in. Did you have Bryce Harper on your fantasy team? Right. See if there was a correlation. There. Did he or did he not directly make your life better this year? Yeah, exactly. So. Okay, number two. Cool. So only only just ahead. So three three total points ahead um, was was the empty stadium game mm. we talked about earlier. And I think you're you're right. Uh, that is going to be one of those moments that sort of it was such a unique thing, and there were so many little bits about it i remember them saying that you know you could actually hear the announcers uh while the game was going on because there just wasn't any sound inside the stadium yeah the uh, uh, the announcers made a specific effort to talk in a whisper because they were actually being picked up on other mics in the other yeah. you know radio or audio booths it was amazing uh and and chris davis's home run just landing uh on the street and uh, sitting there for sitting there. <laughs> and nobody was going to get it did did we ever find out what happened with that baseball uh, I I don't know if I did know. I remember the, seeing the you know the you know the image of it sitting there on the street, just you know ages after it landed there. But uh, I don't know if anybody I mean, ever I, said that they retrieved it. I remember tweeting out that they that the Orioles should go retrieve it and then auction it off to help you know everything that was going on in Baltimore at the time. I I wonder if that happened. I hope it did, frankly, because that would have been kind of a nice you know bow on top of a bad situation kind of thing. Yeah, I'm actually going to try and find out, but uh, I'll do that after I've finished running these down. So, in first place by a long, long way. Do you want to guess? It's probably not that hard to guess, actually. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the seventh inning of Doom, so to yep. speak. Yeah, it's it's definitely that. It was not close. Uh, nearly half of everybody voting picked that in first place in their rankings. Now, I wonder uh, if the if it was just because of the Joey Bats bat flip or everything that went on in that inning, or if it was some combination of both. Because to me, I mean, the bat flip is what we all remember. But I mean, Toronto made what three errors in three consecutive plays, or maybe uh, I had it yeah, I think, I think that's other, right. Yeah, three. Or Texas may have made three errors and I mean, it was three consecutive plays, and it was. I think it was Andrews that messed up, who's a great fielder. And it, goodness, this is testing my memory now four months ago. But that's, uh, yeah, that's amazing. We'll be talking about that for a long time. That, I couldn't believe what I was watching when I was watching that. Yeah, it was insane. And, and I, li- I linked to Ben's piece uh, recapping it in, in the poll post. But I really recommend anybody who uh, has sort of, you know, didn't see it all the way through or, or has even just forgotten about it to go back and, and read Ben's post as well as watching it because it is a, a great recap. I mean, everything that Ben writes and, and shout out to Ben Lindbergh, but uh, everything he writes is must read. But that was a particularly must read column. 
yeah, it was just a, a phenomenal thing. But I do wonder if, even if we'd just made it the bat flip only, I think that might still have won. I, th- I think that still, it might have gotten, I wonder if that gets a higher percentage if it was just the bat flip. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Uh, it, it may well have done. Um, I think it was like, I've never seen so many likes on any post in the Facebook <laughs> group either. Like, uh, I think it was uh, Kiefer maybe posted it. And it, I think it just got like, you know, 200 likes in about an hour. If uh, Major was, League Baseball didn't have such antiquated rules, that might have been the most popular GIF of all time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure it would have been. And uh, I found, uh, you know, I think when you look at the vines and that, and they've just been looped millions and millions of times. And yeah, it was uh, majestic. I mean, there isn't a day that goes by that somebody doesn't put like, you know, how my day is going. And it's just a gif of him throwing his bat way up in the air or, <laughs> you know, something along those lines. So, yeah, I think uh, as well, as well as Ben's piece, uh, the piece that Bautista had on the Players' Tribune about the flip itself was was really good. Well, well said. Uh, good point. Um, uh, and it just a r- really felt like it was, you know, uh, a really like um, really encapsulated the moment so well. You know, he couldn't have done it. Nothing really summed up that that moment of that game any better than how he he performed that bat flip. You know, it was, and it was purely organic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there was no, there was no, you know, it wasn't trying to shove it in their face. It was just uh, such an emotional hit at the um, end of an emotional forty minutes of an inning. Yeah, it's just, you can't, you know, it's really hard to imagine how you would feel in that moment. But I think Bautista really, really brought it across, you know, what it might be like to do that. And I think, you know, most people would, would have done exactly the same thing, if perhaps not quite so uh, impressively. That That's true. Uh, any problems, w- before we look at the uh, Effectively Wild list, any problems with the top five? I think that's a, I think we probably did a pretty good job this year. Yeah, I didn't think there wasn't anything that I thought was going to do well or that should have done better that that um, missed out. Uh, one that I thought might have done a little bit higher, and it still was in the middle of the pack, was the the John Lester pickoffs, um, just because it was kind of a, th- a thing that got talked about a lot in the group and on the podcast. And so I did wonder if people would go for that. Um, and I'm but I suppose that was also quite an, an early thing, and maybe that got a bit more played out towards the end of the year. And maybe if it was one pure Bartolo gif rather than just the gift of an entire season worth of joy, maybe he might have <laughs> gotten in the top five too. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, I think uh, we could maybe uh, try try and narrow it down. Maybe we'll just have a gif of the year uh, poll next time and uh, see, was, see what wins. I was so happy when he re-signed with the Mets. Just another <laughs> year of joy is great. So, um, it, Maybe this is a good time for us to shift to the uh, effectively wild list now. Okay, yeah, so there was uh, another close race for, for fifth place. Okay, um, drum roll, Barry. He's really good at that. <laughs> so just missing out on fifth was uh, Sam's dark analogy when he uh, talked about oh. the parents. His, you know, well, He didn't even want to talk about it first, did he? It was so dark that he didn't want to admit what it was that he was saying. Was I the uh, only one that hit the rewind and kind of went back and I was like, wait a minute, did I hear that correctly? It got a little <laughs> dark in here real quick. I, I mean, I really enjoy those moments. He does do it reasonably often, doesn't he? Like, you know, it, and it will be often a, a completely incongruous moment because they were talking about <laughs> Kershaw at the time, weren't they, I think? Uh, and then suddenly he just went off on this analogy about, uh, you know, a, a child dying, basically. Uh, <laughs> and it was like, well, where did, where did that come from? Uh, so, yeah, I kind of did a double take and, and went back. Um, but that, that was the, a very Sam moment. Was that the episode that Ben was like, "I'm not really that into kids," or was that a different episode? Uh, no, that was that was quite recently. I think that <laughs> yeah, was, that's right. 
That was uh, kind of not, he was like I'm anti kids or something. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I thought this could end up being quite controversial, but I think Sam saved it by uh, saying that he was, you know, in a in a general sense, he was, you know, that he wished the best for children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I did I did laugh quite a lot at Ben's uh, I'm anti children. Uh, sort of sentiments <laughs> I, I think i need to go back and re-listen to sam's dark side yeah. kind of think, moment yeah I, I think i do too so um that's a you know another nice thing about these you sort of think oh yeah that was a great uh, moment i'm going to go back and find that now and we do have links if anybody's wondering where oh, can i hear great. these moments uh ken went back and and checked the first appearance or the main appearance of all of these things so if you go in the, on the post, the best of 2015 polls post on the Banish of the Pen site, you can find the episode number links for everything. So, so now I know how my afternoon's going to go. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. So in fifth place, and this this is probably the thing that made me laugh the most uh, the whole year, um, was the uh, infamous Lindbergh burrito method moment. This, uh, was, this is number four or number five? It's number five. So Sam's Dark Chronology just missed. Oh, okay. I, I misunderstood. Okay, so number yeah. five is Ben's eating of a burrito. Yeah, so this was this was Russell Carlton uh, came on as well, um, and Sam was explaining to him, having met Ben in California and seen him eat a burrito for the first time, and he was explaining how, how Ben does it. Um, and it basically sounds like Ben sort of grabs the two ends and kind of squashes it together and eats it from the middle. Have you um, ever wait. heard of this? Because this one completely threw me for a loop. I've <laughs> no, never. I've not. And it sounds impossible, right? Right. Like all the food's going to spill out of the middle, right? Yeah. And I know I know quite a few people would then post pictures in the group afterwards saying, oh, you know, just tried this and made a massive mess. Or, you know. yeah, I tried it as well. I think we all did that listened to that episode. I tried <laughs> it. And the next thing I knew, I was eating the rest of it with a spoon because I had 80% <laughs> of it in the wrapper. Yeah, and Sam said there was just a, like a small piece of uh, tortilla left uh, at the end, like in the bowl by itself, but that was it. Uh, uh, I want a periscope of Ben Lindbergh eating a burrito. Yeah. I, I or like YouTube or something. That could just be an entire episode when they're feeling <laughs> uh, you know, devoid of ideas. Just have Ben eat a burrito. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, the image Sam conjured up was uh, the Chinese acrobat with the blood. <laughs> <laughs> so and uh, that were, that really brought it to life for me just imagining like ben sort of compressing this burrito together uh you know like he was um you know about to juggle it or something it it really uh brought it home so i i remember laughing out loud for quite a long time when i was that hearing. image of ben as a chinese acrobat <laughs> he is the least looking chinese acrobat human being ever <laughs> yeah so that that made it in at number five <laughs> I'm sorry that image, pardon me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Number number four. Do you need me. a minute? Please help me. Number four. Oh my it's, goodness! It's done it again. Even even second hand. <laughs> okay, number. F I'm sorry, guys. Number four. So number four, uh, perhaps uh, another one that we shouldn't be too surprised by was uh, the Barry Bonds episode. Also featuring the uh, Cespedes family barbecue boys. Shout out to those guys. That both uh, great guys. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I know. I know uh, there were a few people who sort of don't seem to be fans. Uh, I thought this was a terrific episode. I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, it was fun too because those guys spend so much time doing Barry Bonds numbers. I thought it was yeah, once again. It, it was, was very. It was organic. great to have them on, and it, I think it really added something to have the four of them sort of you know together. Uh, and they're very very funny guys, uh, and I mean that 
you know, I mean, they are just funny to be around. They're just good guys. I, I really enjoy what their work. It's not necessarily something I could do, but it's it's. I'm very impressed with the work they do. Yeah, they've got a really sort of uh, off the wall sense of humor, but uh, I enjoy listening to them a lot. So that was that was a cool one. And if you're ever in doubt about you know how amazing Barry Bonds was, I mean, the first then, uh, to give just a, go back and listen to that episode. To give a uh, small story got- of the Cespedes family of barbecue guys, the first time I ever met them was at a DC baseball prospectus event, and this was two or two and a half years ago. And I think it was Jake gets up, and, and the first question he asks Professor Parks is, "Would you rather be yourself for the rest of your life, or Brett Wallace and his fat thighs?" <laughs> I mean, wow. everybody in the audience is like waiting for him to ask his prospecty question and stuff. And he goes, would you rather be yourself or Brett Wallace's bank account and his fat thighs? I, I just it floored the room. It was so great. And Parks probably rolled with it, too. Oh, Parks just like, you know, Parks loves those guys to begin with. But and Parks is the funniest guy. It was just he didn't even miss a beat. He was like myself. No question. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, if you're if you're a Cespedes family barbecue fan and you haven't heard that episode, then you must go back and listen to it. It's uh, an and, excellent one. And I'm sure uh, that's just to cross promote, but uh, definitely check out their podcast too. They do a great work over there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so number three, just one one point ahead, was the uh, long running burn the ships. Uh, I suppose it was really a meme in the end. Um, I think this uh, arose out of uh, Don Mattingly, not Don Mattingly, uh, Ned Coletti. Uh, anecdote um, for the Dodgers and sort of but it sort of became so much more uh, the and these perhaps misinterpretation of the burn the ships <laughs> story and you know uh, it, it sort of really spiraled into something more I think it turned up in uh, Travis Sorchik's Pirates book as well at one point yes and it did I think we may have had more burn the ships related posts in the, the Facebook group uh, than perhaps anything else this year or in 2015 so i was hardly surprised that that made it in uh, at number three that's funny because i'm i'll say i'm a little surprised it got to number three i'm not surprised it made the top five but i'm a little surprised it made it over the burrito eating i gotta say I, yeah. like, it didn't it only got a, a couple of first place votes but it seemed to be one that showed up in a, a lot of top fives so i think it was perhaps you know it, it was hard to miss as well i, I think you know Maybe if you didn't listen to even listen to all the episodes, you probably would still have heard uh, multiple Burn the Ships references throughout the year. Very true. I'm throwing that for the group. That's the first one I'm questioning, though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there. Okay, uh, number two. Uh, I think probably number number two and number one are not going to come as any surprise to anybody. Uh, although uh, number two did look like it was going to uh, to lose out early on, um, but it sort of roared back as we uh, as we went on with the voting. So the the second place is Gonny Jones, uh, the the legendary Gonny Jones email question. Um, if, if any, I'm not sure anybody uh, listens to this will not be familiar, but uh, somebody basically uh, posted the existence of a player who offers no value to the team uh, at all, but uh, other than the fact that they win every game while he's on the roster. Uh, and so this sort of became this kind of uh, very. Um, meta debate about how long would it take the team to realize that they couldn't lose when he was on the roster and how valuable would he be and it was uh, you know perhaps the most effectively wild of all effectively wild emailed questions um i really enjoyed it it was one of those ones where sort of i I don't know how long they spent answering it it felt like it could have been you know half an hour or 
even the whole episode. I don't even remember anything else from the episode, but that was just a fantastic. You can sort of hear Ben and Sam turning it over in their minds and coming out with these increasingly brilliant statements, uh, which I think um, God is real. Let's sign Gonny Jones was perhaps uh, the highlight of the, the episode. But. And, and it kept just getting more and more. It just get kind of crazier and farther out there. They were so great. Yeah, and it, I mean, this is going to be a bit of an obscure reference for some people probably, but uh, there's a, a J.G. Ballard story, a uh, great British sci-fi writer. Um, and uh, it basically, um, somebody proves that God exists and it's sort of about what happens to like society when like God's existence is actually definitively proven. And it sort of made me made me think of that. It's quite a, a weird uh, sort of um, examination of uh belief and uh, and how it affects say but uh, it kind of made, made me think of that as a, a cool one to check out um I bit, of a, I, bit of a random one but. i need to go re-listen to that that was a great one yeah it was uh, really really excellent um so do you guys want to guess what's number one it's mm. probably again <laughs> absolutely no surprise barry go for it because i'm actually i'm a little stumped um the tree in the infield that would be my guess but but it's the only one really coming to mind yeah, it's it's is one that you mentioned earlier. It's it's uh, cold calling Ned Garver. Uh, oh, sure, yeah, sure. Duh. Yeah, come on. Yeah. All right, Barry, we both get a slap on the wrist on that one. We should have <laughs> nailed that one. Yeah. No, when I started them, I thought I think Ned Garver and, and the seventh inning Toronto are going to win, and and they both did, and they both won by a long way. I mean, that's even worse because I think I voted Ned Garver number one. I did. Yeah, well, I think that it was the first even... thing you said when yes, I. Yes, uh, I mean that makes it even that was, worse. That was why I thought you would get it yeah. straight away. <laughs> that was. I think that was the best. And yeah, that, and that that was another sort of very organic. You know, they obviously hadn't planned it, and at first, I think Ben didn't even really want to to call him when Sam was trying to talk him into to doing it on the podcast, and it turned out to be the the most wonderful thing I, I listened to last year. Yeah, I uh, think besides episode three seventy six, which is my favorite episode by far, uh, that might be my favorite episode. If I was going to say to somebody to listen to one episode of Effectively Wild, that might be the one that I would point them towards. Yeah, I'm, and I'm into my baseball history. Uh, you know, as somebody who came to the game late, I'm always reading more books and, and trying to learn more about the game. So it was sort of a wonderful insight into the time, and, and he was really a, a great sport about it. And sort of, uh, it turned in so many ways that uh, really it was just a sort of random play index query at first, wasn't it? And it became a much more than that. So uh, another great listen. If you're going to go back and listen to any episode from last year, I think that is definitely the one to listen to. And I give them credit because they haven't gone back to that well yet. They've mentioned it a couple of times, but it would lose some of its appeal or novelty if they started doing it all the time. I think it's been great that they've kind of let it be, so to speak. Yeah, I think that was you know part of the charm, wasn't it? And it wasn't like a thing that they you know they've done. Nobody expected it to happen. You know, they didn't expect it to happen until right before it happened. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it was. Uh, a really unique and and fascinating insight into a, a lot of things from baseball at that time and it was just really nice to sort of uh, Ned Garver was such a, a good sport about it really and uh, I mean, it was uh, great to hear him talk about playing at the time and I mean to find his number them. to actually have him pick up the phone to have him be a great guest <laughs> on top of it is just everything aligning is amazing yeah it was incredible and and you could tell you know that it wasn't staged or anything it was so organic and natural and yet it worked out so well yeah i mean it wouldn't have been nearly as good as if they had booked him and then five days later they crowbarred the interview into you know their podcast it was so all right we're just going to call him and he picked up and it just kept rolling it was it it free flowed on is what i'm trying to say poorly 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I I think that uh, I think that's a pretty good top five of both. Why don't you run through the top five of both real quickly before we wrap this uh, part up? Yeah, okay. So again, uh, MLB was uh, Wilma Flores crying at five. Uh, Max Scherzer in his three near-perfect games at four. Bryce Harper turns the corner at three. The uh, empty stadium game in Baltimore at two. And the seventh inning in Toronto featuring the legendary bat flip at number one. And then effectively wild, uh, the Lindbergh burrito method, uh, number five. <laughs> uh, best Barry Bonds facts episode number four. Uh, Burn the Ships is number three. Gonny Jones is number two and cold calling Ned Garver is our runaway champion at number one uh, first of all I want to give uh, just a great job and a pat on the back to the Banish to the Pen audience for voting and for doing such a good job and to you Darius for putting this together I'm sure Ken helped as well uh, great job this is a really uh, fun poll and a good idea I'm glad you did it this way rather than some of the other some other type of year end awards yeah it was fun to do and we wanted to do something a bit a bit different i think than just you know sort of doing a vote on the same awards that the mlb has uh yeah ken was great i have to say if anybody's not been in the facebook group and seen his uh we didn't start the fire parody <laughs> uh we, we called uh we didn't save the diner based on the the market <laughs> storyline um he's sort of set set a series of pictures and come up with his own lyrics for it and it's just uh it, it's really tremendous uh, i laughed a lot when I saw it and uh, I think a lot of other people have enjoyed it just as much as me so definitely check that out one of the greatest things to come out of Banish to the Pen <laughs> at least for me has just been able to quote unquote air quote meet Ken what a just a great individual nice guy and such a talented guy so well uh, yeah he's really great you know he does all the, the graphics and he comes up with a lot of terrific ideas and uh, yeah as soon as he, he sort of I think he thought it was going to be too cheesy uh, when he showed it, and I, she showed it to me and I was like you've just got to post this straight away it's so good uh, so I'm glad he did yeah and this is also maybe a good time to remind you that we have banished to the pen merch that can kind of put together and everything else so uh, check it out online uh, a lot of great shirts and coffee mugs as well so yeah m- mine is on its way to me now actually so uh, hopefully I will get that soon and uh, I'll be able to bring it with me to uh, San Francisco which we'll we'll get onto in a bit I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that but I want to tag in Barry if I can and, and transition off of the the poll and, and these uh, this column and I and I want to talk a little bit of the state of the Cincinnati Reds if I can um, I think they've had one of the more, and I hate the word interesting, but uh, I think they've had an unusual, uh, intriguing, and, and all those words kind of wrapped together off season. So I want to, Barry, tag you in and just have you talk a little bit about, I mean, obviously they traded Todd Frazier. They traded Aroldis Chapman, although that was a conundrum and a problem in and of itself. Brandon Phillips was supposed to go to the Nationals, didn't. Uh, kind of talk to me a little bit about your feeling of where the the Reds are on, I don't know, January 9th, twenty sixteen. Well, um, before we started recording, we mentioned uh, Eric's doom and gloom post that uh, he made. So shout out to Eric for Sinist- that. sinister minister. But, uh, yep. <laughs> but um, I'm not quite as doom and gloom as a lot of the fan base. Um, I was actually going to work up a piece here in the next week or two saying that the the Reds may not be a 100 lost team next season of course that means they're like a 90 lost team probably um so i mean the Chapman thing doesn't bother me at all he he ruined his own value by being a putz so that's you can't really blame the Reds for that i mean 
I as soon as that incident happened, I was like, we need to distance ourselves from this guy because you know he's shooting guns in a house for Pete's sake. That's just ridiculous. So um, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I do want to ask you now: How did the fan base react? You know, um, similarly I mean, to you, or were they upset with the return and would have held them? A lot of people were upset with the return, but they were also upset with him for so for messing up his own value. So. It's. I think it was just all, all out negativity <laughs> with that whole situation. But I, I kind of think their hands were tied as far as that goes. Right. So. What are you going to do? He's got one year left. He's going to make thirteen million bucks, and your team's looking at ninety losses, like you said. Well, why not move on from both him and all the drama? I, I kind of see that point. Yeah. In fact, I very much see that point. Yeah. And then I wanted to tee it up for you about Frazier too, because that seemed like a. The return, a lot of people have speculated it feels a little light, you know, for such a great player. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on it and kind of, you know, what the fan base was feeling as well. Well, they they should have moved him at the All-Star break, but with the All-Star game being in Cincy and he won the home run derby and everybody was all like, oh, I love Todd Frazier. They, <laughs> I think they just chickened out. And then he had a horrible second half, which, you know, who could have predicted that? Um because he was kind of over his head the first half. But um, the thing on that deal, and I'm not sure if I agree with this uh, from the Reds' perspective, I think they're higher on Jose Peraza than a lot of people are. Supposedly, he was in the deal for Chapman with the Dodgers that got canceled. So I think they've had a hard-on for him for... uh, a while and but I think perhaps they value him more than the prospect Hawks do and I've scouted Peraza a lot particularly last year when he was at Myrtle Beach and I really like him I mean I, I think I'm higher on him than the prospect community as well I think he's going to be a dynamite player I think teams should have left him at shortstop I think he could have played there great bat to ball skills a little bit of a funky swing but I think he's uh, he's a really good player I actually want to comp him to like an infield Ben Revere, but better. I mean, I think he's a real good contact hitter, going to steal you a ton of bases and play pretty good defense for you. I I like Peraza. Yeah, the only thing that worries me about him is that he doesn't walk much, so he's he's got to. He has a low BABIP run. He's gonna he's gonna have a bad year, but. But he should be a above average fielder, both at certainly at second base and a very nice number two hole hitter. I would think. I mean, I think he's a six year pro who's really nice while you're ch- while he's cheap i mean I, i'm a big fan yeah I, I think so too so now uh so now where are we at they made the two trades now phillips is still there bruce is hanging around is there another move coming or are we just is this kind of what we see is what we get um i hear i hear rumblings of bruce going i don't think you get much at all for jay bruce his name's bigger than his value at this point i mean he his last two years combined, he's actually, I think, sub-replacement level. He's been just brutal. And I don't under... He should be in his peak years. He's, what, 20... He just came off of his age 28 season, I think? Yeah, I mean, he came I'm, to the I'm not sure what early, happened yeah. to him. It's like Cal Daniels revisited. He just fell off of a cliff. I do. Um, how much do you think the knee injury affects him? Because he has struggled... I mean, his second half was much better than his first half this year, which may not be saying a tremendous amount, but... 
do you think uh, any do you think the injury what i'm trying to say is is if he gets right and healthy could he be a bounce back player he could be but i don't know he looks like his swings just all messed up dude i don't know i'm not sure i don't have a lot of faith in jay bruce at this point well and that may explain why he's still on cincinnati's roster because probably yes so and what about Phillips? Where what what happens with him? I mean, it seemed like it was very close to a deal with Washington right around Christmas time. Now, I guess he's going to stay in Cincinnati. Well, he's a ten and five guy, so it's his call. I I guess he I guess he finishes out there. But the, the thing is, I mean, you just traded for Peraza. You got Suarez in the infield mix. Cozart's you got Cozart coming back. At some point, they're going to want to get you know all three of these guys in the lineup and then what do you do you you, you sit him and then you've got a conundrum well and it looks and then, terrible to be trading your good players to be getting these prospects and then let them sit behind the 35 year old second baseman exactly just as a yes. franchise move it may be a better for winning games maybe not but so uh, uh one question i want to ask you and, and i'd love to get you know if darius has anything as well but what would you do once again from today what would you do with the reds right now if you could if they gave you the gm job for you know a day a month you know kind of hypothetically what would you do well um they've already torn everything down so i would just continue to tear everything down um i know that when i was on here before i was not so enthused about burning it all down but now I think they're in a spot where you can't you can't just go halfway. You got to keep it going. I don't. I think if you was to trade Joey Votto, I think the fans would revolt. Um, and I, you know, Votto's my dude. I don't want him to go. But I mean, other than that, I would I would just trade anything that's not nailed down at this point and just go full on Cubs. So if some uh, just hypothetically, if a team offered you no prospect but would take all of Votto's deal, you wouldn't trade him. Oh, they. You personally, I'm not. You know, I don't know about the franchise. I did. You know, if there was no, just take the deal and no prospects at all. Straight up, just you can have 180 million dollars of Joey Votto, and he's gone. Man, that would hurt. (laughs) But I might. I think I they know. probably should, but... It would hurt, though, man. So. All right, well, at least I asked you a tough question. That's good. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Darius, do you have any questions about uh, for uh, Barry or for, about the Reds? Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, I agree with the assessment that, you know, there's no point sort of starting to tear it down and then stopping halfway. Um, I don't know where, where that's really going to get them. Uh, I know that we've got, you know, a lot more perhaps some parity and a lot more teams feel like they can compete with especially with the second wild card but I also think they're in a terrible division to do it Uh, and you know I don't particularly see the Pirates or the Cubs or the Cardinals being bad uh, anytime immediately soon so um, even if they were to have you know perhaps perform above expectations there's still a pretty good chance that they, they wouldn't get near the playoffs and I think Milwaukee's about a year ahead of where Cincinnati is in the rebuild which is not a great place either yeah 
Um, and so I, I don't think they're in a great spot. You know, maybe if they were in the AL and it felt like, you know, basically any team could, can get in the playoffs sort of like we had uh, the past season, then it would be a different story. But, uh, you know, the, they're in an incredibly tough division. I think it uh, probably makes sense to, to continue uh, tearing everything down and, and, you know, maybe waiting for a better window to compete. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Uh, yeah. I've got a final question. Just, uh, Barry, give me a prediction on the Reds. It can be a record prediction. It can be this guy gets dealt before opening day. Whatever. Just give me a prediction on the Reds. Um, I think they'll lose somewhere between 90 and 95 games. I think Jay Bruce probably does get dealt. And I think they're going to suck, but they're going to be fun to watch with all these young pitchers that they have. And maybe if you know Peraza gets in the lineup and maybe if Billy Hamilton can learn to hit just a little bit, they could be a really fun team to watch. They won't be good, but they could be fun to watch. That's a good one. I'm going to give I'm going to give one if I can. Bruce to the Orioles. I think that deal could work for both sides. I've been hearing that one for a while. Yeah. I just think it could work for both sides. So no no inside knowledge, no nothing, just a good guess. So all right, guys, uh, I'm going to bump some of the outfield talk uh, and, and the hitting market uh, to maybe the next week or the next show. But uh, I, I really want to get into I, I want to tag Darius back in now if I can and give you the floor a little bit. But um, seeing as you're in Wales, obviously, you don't get a chance to see a lot of baseball games or any baseball games in person. But you are planning a trip to the States uh, relatively soon. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I've obviously been thinking about this for a little while and um, I've been into the game for a few years now and, and so it's kind of, while I can watch everything I like on MLB TV, I've still never been to an actual uh, baseball game in person. So it's been on the, the list for a while and finally uh, this Easter uh, we're going to come over and we've actually actually booked the flights now, just did, a, did it today. So um, we're set to come over to San Francisco Uh just before the season starts have a few days uh, going around California a bit and then hopefully going to catch uh, at least a couple of games at AT&T and uh, might go and see uh, the A's as well um, I know the uh, the Coliseum is uh, certainly not the same kind of uh, stadium but um, should be pretty cool to take in a few teams and uh, the White Sox will be in town to see, play Oakland uh, and then the Dodgers are actually the Giants first home series of the year so be really cool to, to see those two teams play and hopefully uh, on the Saturday it will end up being uh, Bumgarner facing off against Kershaw as well if the two of them start the, each start the first game of the season so pretty excited about that you're going to have to get it that's going to be a tough ticket right there that's going to be a great trip yeah yeah uh, I'm already sort of got everything lined up of um, everything's still available so uh, certainly seeing the Giants is going to be a bit more expensive than seeing the Ace but um, you know we're coming over for, for the baseball primarily uh, so I definitely want to make sure I, I get in and, and see a few games. Well, I went to uh, AT&T Park on my honeymoon, so um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of that. Obviously, it holds a little bit of a place in my heart to a certain degree, but you're going to have a blast. I think it's it's probably my favorite park in all of baseball. It, it's a Yeah, so I mean, you place. know, it, it looks incredible uh, when you see pictures and uh, watch on TV. You know, I think it's one of those stadiums that they always seem to be cutting away as well you know like showing uh, people doing uh, water sports whatever on the bay and it just, just looks like a great place to go and watch a game you gotta get um, the garlic so I was, fries I was wondering if, if you had any tips you know for AT&T AT &T specifically or, or you know just going to your first game in general is there, is there something that you would tell me to watch out for or maybe you know that I shouldn't be doing that um, they might be that I might not have thought of 
I would get the garlic fries. That would be the first thing I would tell you about <laughs> yeah, San Francisco. That's not the first time I've, I've seen that, actually, garlic fries. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, my wife gave me this look like I'm eating garlic fries. And I was like, yeah, we got to do it. You know, you come to a game and as she absolutely loved them. I mean, they were and I'm not a garlic fan and they were out of control. Good. But uh, the food there is incredibly good. The stadium, the, the main thing I would do is just really walk out to right field and see McCovey Cove because you won't believe how small the area is from the wall to where you get to the water. It looks bigger on TV than it really is. It can't be 25 feet from the wall to the water. It can't be. I mean, it's a really small amount. Of, I just, I have some great pictures, uh, you know, with the McCovey Cove in the background, but that would be the two things I would say is just get there early, walk around the outfield particularly, and uh, definitely get the garlic fries. B- Barry, have you been there? And if not, we should definitely jump into what you should do on, a, you know, first time at a baseball game. I've, only been to games in Cincinnati. I would love to go to AT&T Park. I would love to go to Pittsburgh, too, for that matter. Those are the two or best. Rig- or Wrigley or Boston, you know, the classics. Those are the two best to me is definitely uh, AT&T and PNC. The, those by far. And Camden Yards is terrific as well. But um, I'd say if your first game, I think you want to get there early and just kind of walk around and, like, soak in the vibe if you will, if that makes any sense. I agree. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. That, that's something that you really don't get, uh, you know, when you're watching on, on TV so much as well, because they're doing the studio stuff and, you know, it's not really something that, that you can ever capture the atmosphere for that. Well, I don't think so. The other I'm definitely gonna... something I would recommend too, is particularly if you go to an Oakland game and it's not an, as, as an expensive ticket or you're not as quite as involved in the game, move around a little bit. You know, look at it from third base. Go sit, you know, behind the plate. Go watch from the outfield. I mean, the the different angles are really amazing. And, you know, maybe if you've watched on MLB TV, you've watched mostly the center field camera and that angle most of your life. I think it might be pretty interesting for you to go behind the plate and watch. Oh, my God, it's that's what it's like to see the ball coming in at 60 feet, 6 inches. Or looking at the swing from the side. I, I think that might be something I would recommend, particularly since you're such a smart, kind of savvy baseball fan. Yeah, I mean, it's something that comes up a lot. You know, I've read uh, Dollar Sign on the Muscle and, and some other, you know, sort of scouting type books and uh, sort of something that seems to, to happen a lot. You know, the scouts are constantly getting up and, and sitting somewhere else and uh, looking at the game from different angles. And you're right, you definitely don't get that. I think it would blow your mind uh, you know, to see it from the other direction, like what a curveball looks like when it's coming at you. I think it would, you know, I don't want to say that to you, but just to a, a fan that's never seen it, I think it's just extraordinary how different that looks. I'd also, I don't want to keep jumping in, but I'd also be curious your thoughts to walk around a little bit and what the difference is between like an American stadium and what, particularly a baseball stadium, obviously, and what the stadiums are like over, you know, in your, in Europe. I mean, are, are the, are the fans different at a soccer match than they are at a baseball match? Yes, I'm sure. But how so? And, and what are the stadium differences? And, and I think that would be an interesting kind of, I don't want to say cultural, but maybe just a, uh insight into you know how people enjoy different sports yeah i'm, I'm hoping to you know uh, maybe take some notes or or um something to keep the memories of it so i can actually write a bit about the trip you know for the site uh which would be you know a bit a bit of uh, unique content i think i mean uh, uh, i mean the idea is coming from just you know fans at a japanese baseball game cheer con- throughout the whole game whereas in an american stadium they don't and i, I just think some of the differences or the nuances of how fans cheer would be insightful or interesting as well 
Yeah, I get the the impression that it's more like uh, going to a, a cricket game uh, here in the UK, maybe um, where it is, especially like a Test match cricket game where you're there kind of all day, really. So that's even more sedate, I suppose, in a, in a lot of ways. But it's kind of you know fairly casual. It's a jovial atmosphere, but there's not a lot of you know maybe when somebody gets out or, or has a big shot, there's a big cheer. But a lot of the time, it's sort of more of a, a gentle. Uh, pace compared to uh, like going to a football game where there is a lot of chanting and shouting and cheering uh, sort of for the the whole duration Uh, when I say football I obviously mean soccer (laughs) I think that's another thing you'll notice too is baseball fans when you go to a game and and early in the season you're going to have some more diehard fans but you know there's a fair amount of the people there that are there to drink a beer and enjoy the sunshine and kind of just get away from work whereas you know in most other sports they're there primarily and wholeheartedly for the game I think that might be something you'll notice as well. Yeah, I think that is, that is something that's similar to the the cricket. You know, uh, people go not just you know to to see the game, but you know maybe just have a day out with their friends and have a couple of drinks and sort of you know it's a bit like especially if it's a sunny day, it's just kind of a a nice sort of party. And there happens to be a cricket game going on sometimes. I think for some people who are there. Uh, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if I find it the same kind of atmosphere as that. I think you'll find you'll have different fan base and a different experience just from Oakland to San Francisco. I think that'll be completely different. Just I think most fan bases in most stadiums are different, just have their own subtle nuances and fan quirks and stuff of that nature. Yeah, it, it will be, uh, I'm sure, you know, you get that at, at soccer games here. So it'll be interesting to see what, what the differences are. Uh, I mean, and I guess, it, I mean, you know, obviously it does seem yeah. like it's going to be a lot more full uh, AT&T. Um, well, so, and having the division rival in there and Kershaw versus Bumgartner is certainly going to have a level of, you know, excitement against your rival versus, I think you said it was Oakland and the White Sox who seem yeah, to make trades yeah, but not actually have a real rivalry going on. Yeah, so that should be should be fairly different. And, I, yeah, I've been, you know, reading a few things, uh, people's tips and that, and, you know, people are saying, oh, make sure you don't wear any blue for that series. Uh, that, would you know, be, that would be good don't advice. Don't want to think you're a Dodgers fan, that kind of stuff. It is okay to wear uh, a cap or a Giants stuff. You know, it's not like a uh, concert where you can't wear the name of the band that you're going to go see. (laughs) You're encouraged to do, you know, to wear, you know, your team stuff. I think that makes it, you know, you're certainly more involved, so to speak. Yeah, I have have a a Tim Linscombe Giants uh, jersey, actually, and and a couple of, of caps. So I'll definitely be bringing those with me. Any other thoughts, Barry? I, I, I'm going a little bit here off the top of my head. Anything you're thinking of? Um, not really. He's got to have a cold one too. I mean, that's almost. I, I'm assuming you're a drinker <laughs> if, if if you're overseas, and I, I don't know why I'm making that assumption. But anyways, uh, <laughs> that just the, the reputation we have. Uh, <laughs> correct. Yes. You know, I'm an Irishman, so I can make that joke. I hope so. Uh, but yeah, having a cold one at the beer is one of the or at the game is one of the great experiences too. So. And getting Don't a hot dog, getting a hot dog from the vendor—that's a great one too. Getting them to make it in front of you with the uh, the mustard and the ketchup—that—that's pretty cool if you like a hot dog. Yeah, and uh, I with the the beer thing, you can't like when you're at a, a soccer game, you can't take it back with you to your seat or anything. I assume that's different. I mean, it's almost so much more open anyway. At a oh man, game, they, I guess. they have vendors bringing them to you, so you don't yeah. have to leave your seat. I mean, that's going to be an experience. That'll be an experience for you. I've had beer spilled on me before. Correct. So yeah, you can definitely have it at your seat. Yeah, so whereas, yeah, a, a, a soccer game, it's kind of like 
uh, it's sort of a fa- fairly ridiculous ritual where you've you know you've got 15 minutes at half time, and so all these people are packed into the concourse trying to get to the bar, and then by the time you got to the bar, you've probably got about four minutes left to drink your drink uh, before the second half starts, and it's you know all feels uh, faintly uh, ludicrous really that people even bother trying to get one most of the time. I, we've um, got to have you on after you after you go and, and write these columns because I'm curious what you feel like uh, what the experience is like sitting through the half inning rather than doing the commercial thing and some of that as well. I mean that's going to be different for you. Yeah, I mean you know because often I'll be like oh I'll see what's happening on the other games and you know it's yeah definitely not I just get the uh, MLB you know this uh, com- the commercial break. <laughs> thing so you don't really get the the atmosphere or anything of, of what's going on in the half innings when you watch it on tv I, I guess my final question and barry if you've got one jump in i guess my final one is just what are you most looking forward to um i think yeah certainly you know seeing the the different angles and that is going to be interesting to me it's uh it's really hard to imagine you know when you watch it on tv all the time i you know i've obviously seen thousands of pictures thrown but uh it's nothing it's still impossible to kind of think how different it's going to be when you see it in person um and also you know you don't get replays or or anything like that so uh i'm kind of interested to see how people react to stuff and um how i you know perceive things uh you know whether i think things are a strike or not you know how how difficult is it to tell uh from wherever we're sitting um and i i messed up i've got another suggestion you've got to go for batting practice yeah oh yeah so how long what what kind of time do you need to get there for for batting practice because that's another thing that i never see on tv so normally it's on the website i feel like it's about an hour and a half to two hours before the game um, but that's something you've never experienced i'm guessing you've probably never even seen on tv and that's one of the great experiences of just listening to the crack of the bat and watching these guys and how hard they hit when they know it's coming and uh, that's that would be maybe my number one suggestion for you is to go experience what batting practice is like yeah, cool. I'll, I'll definitely do that. I've, you know, I think I've probably seen like maybe a, a short video of like a prospect taking batting practice, you know, a couple of times, but never, never seen a, an actual uh, major league batting practice or anything like that. So. And it's such a ritual, and they have it down to such a science. It's okay, seven pitches. Okay, you're out. Next guy's in. Boom, boom. It's it, it runs <clears> like a well-oiled machine. But that would definitely be. In fact, I think that might be my number one suggestion besides get some food. Cool. Yeah, I didn't didn't think about that at all. So thank you. I'll definitely do that. All right, uh, Barry. Anything else? Because now that I, fi- uh, I remembered that, I feel like uh, <laughs> there's so many other things. But what do yeah. we miss? Anything? Batting practice is awesome. I almost real quick story. I almost got smoked by an Albert Pujols ball one time, and like it was row <laughs> seven. I like it just missed my noggin. I could have died. It was awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, about at least in Cincinnati, the the home team will usually take batting practice before the gates open, and then the gates will open like an hour and a half before, and then the the, the visiting team will take. So you may not get to see very much of the Giants. I don't know if they do that differently there. Just going by my experiences, but uh, yeah, you're gonna. I'm actually I'm looking forward to it. You writing about it because your your first baseball game in person you don't ever forget. My first game was 1989. It was May the 20th. I remember the date. I remember the score. I remember who started the game. And it's almost 30 years ago. And I was 11 years old. So yeah, you won't ever forget. I haven't. Yeah, I, I 
echo the sentiments. I'm not quite as good with the dates, but I definitely remember my first game. I was so young, I, pr- I can't remember. I was probably four or five, but I remember my first game and going and having a big old ice cream in my hand and everything else because it was so hot. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited at your age that you're really going to remember it and soak everything in. Yeah, and it's, you know, kind of a weird thing. I guess I'm not going to get to do it with, with many things because, you know, whereas with something like, you know, uh, uh, football or, or cricket here, uh, you know, there's so much part of the culture and um, I didn't really, you know, really know that much about it when I went to my, my first games relative to this, you know, where I've been following baseball for, I guess, like about seven years now. Um, but I've still never actually been to a live game, which sort of feels a bit a bit strange. So it's going to be an it really interesting perspective to to sort of uh, experience that and write about it from i think well, well myself and uh the banished to the pen nation are going to hold you to uh ha- coming back on the podcast after you've done your trip and uh certainly writing about the experience because i think we'd all like to hear uh your thoughts and and what it's like yeah definitely we were actually joking uh because uh, andrew patrick is obviously from the the bay area and uh ken was saying we should uh, try and talk uh Sam Miller as well into uh, to doing a podcast with us but uh, might be a little more difficult to get Sam on we'll see <laughs> he might do it come on Sam yeah a little grief. Well, maybe, maybe we'll just keep sending every time there's an email show I'll send another email saying uh, by the way <laughs> <laughs> just going going to San Francisco uh, time to record a podcast with us offer him a new hoodie he'll show up come on <laughs> <laughs> Sam likes us he might do it I, I, yeah, I, we'll I, offer him a Banish to the Pen hoodie. And, uh, I'm in. I'll definitely chip in. If he if he comes to a game with you and meets up, I'm def, we'll all chip in the whole site and we'll get him a Banish to the Pen hoodie for sure. Yeah, and, and Ben's obviously been on the uh, podcast a couple of times now. So, What a great guy, like I said. I thought it was fly out there for that. <laughs> I, do, right? How great would this trip? I'm jealous. I want to go on this trip myself. <laughs> So maybe that's a great place for us to cut it, guys, because that uh, that may be good. Um, we're right at about it an hour anyway. So uh, how about we give uh, the outros kind of the way that we started? Um, let me start alphabetically. I'll go with Barry, just where they can find your work, where they can find you online, and um, say goodbye. Um, well, like I said earlier, I'm on Twitter, Gilp Dog, Banished to the Pen, and that's about it, really. Go Reds. Sort of. Or, all right. <laughs> go IU Hoops. How about that? We'll go there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Darius, uh, same question, same uh, same thing. Say goodbye. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at, at DariusA64. Um, you can find me at Banish to the Pen and Friends with Fancy Benefits. And uh, hopefully in a few months' time, you'll also uh, find me writing some articles about uh, what I thought my first uh, baseball games were like. I can't tell you. I'm really excited to hear that perspective, and uh, I'm excited for your trip. Like I said, I'm jealous. I wish I could be going with you. So uh, that sounds like a great time. I can't wait for uh, the pictures and the insight to Kershaw and Baumgartner. That'll be crazy. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. So, so well, thank you guys for both coming on. Uh, first show of the new year. This was great. We covered a lot of ground. And uh, Darius, I want to thank you especially for uh, your poll and your column this week. Um, wrapping up the uh banished to the pen year so to speak so great job with that and uh barry thank you so much for coming on as well not a problem yeah thank you and i just wanted to say thank you to all the, the people in the group who, who voted and obviously uh everybody from banished to the pen who helped us come up with ideas as well because uh these things would obviously be pretty pointless if we didn't have anybody to participate in them so uh, thank you to everyone for that great point we wouldn't have a site we wouldn't have a podcast if people weren't reading yeah, and talking. absolutely so, so uh, we appreciate it all thank you so everybody who participated and joins in listens and all that good stuff thank you so 
I guess uh, I'm going to say goodbye to Darius and Barry now. See you guys. Hey, yeah. See you. And that was episode 43 of the Banish to the Pen podcast with my guests, Barry Gilpin and Darius Austin. Uh, thank you guys both for coming on, and uh, I, I really appreciate them coming on. I thought that was a great, fun hour, and uh, we covered a lot of ground. I also want to thank uh, Darius again for uh, his hard work putting together those end-of-year polls for us. One more thank you, if I might. I'd like to give a shout-out and a thank you and all that good stuff to uh, everybody involved in Banish to the Pen, the writers. Uh, the technical support staff, the admin, the people that work behind the scenes, technical support, everybody. Um, we have a lot of people who work very hard to uh, put together our product every day and um, a lot of people who work on this podcast as well. So I just I want to give a big shout out and a thanks. A lot of people working very hard to put together a good product. So I hope everybody's got Banished to the Pen bookmarked. They check it out every day and uh, go check out our merchandise. It's uh, very, very cool stuff that uh, we've put out recently. So definitely go check that out. I would like to say from that, we are done. Bye for this week. And uh, one final reminder, if I might, be nice to your fellow listeners. That was the non-dark analogy. <laughs> was You'll have to tell me later what the dark analogy was. It's the same thing, except their kid dies. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>